We here at Stormdar Weather work hand-in-hand with the National Weather Service and other professional weather service agencies as a Weather Ready Nation ambassador. We are avid weather enthusiasts who have studied the likes of Mother Nature for over 30 years. The purpose of this podcast is to provide weather information, facts, and trivia in a manner that is entertaining and easily understood by everyone. Well, hello and welcome back to the Stormdar Weather Podcast. This is episode 83. I'm Rando. I'm Corey. And this is the Dorian and Friends episode. I mean, talk about, you know, podcast material. This is uh, this is kind of on everybody's mind right now. Uh, so that's why I wanted to kind of shift the the order a little bit. I'm, I want to start with the with the tropics uh, right off the bat. Dorian destroying the Bahamas right now. Did you ever think in the back of your head once they once the sink started uh, intensifying that this wasn't actually ever going to hit a category 5 because I thought it I thought it would from the beginning. But See, they kept I saying category not. 4, category 4, category 4. But that water was awful warm up, up north. It, it's bath water. It was. Now, in in part of the national hurricane um Center, but way down when uh, Dorian was just getting started, they had a forecast graphic that made it go into a hurricane and then down to a tropical storm. And then the next day, I saw they had a graphic that kept it a tropical storm. And I thought, okay, well, this is probably not going to go anywhere. And then the day after that, they had it go into a hurricane and then getting closer to Florida. And the point that I, I flipped is when they had the forecast track and it had that M in it. And I thought, okay, now they're thinking this is going to be big. So you thought it was going to happen all along. I thought, I've seen that happen before where it goes to Category 5 and they weren't thinking it was going to. I think maybe they, in the back of their head, they think it may hit Category 5, but they don't want to scare people. Because it might yeah. be marginal, but it wasn't marginal. It was way up there. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then and then now then it went to a powerful category five. And I mean, it, it it's stopped right now. You know, I mean it's going uh what we say okay, when they when they post a direction, they have a, a three number, a slash, and a number after that. And the three numbers before that is is the numbers on the compass. So right now, it's 285 slash 1. So if you look on a compass, due west is 270 degrees. It's a degrees. So when they're saying 285, it's now kind of starting to move a little bit more to the north. I'd say west-northwest at this point. So if 270, of course, south would be 180 and east would be 90. So if you look at the compass and going around, or 9 o'clock would be 270. Uh, the number after the slash is 1, 1 mile per hour. <laughs> they're wow. saying 1 one mile. So it's just drifting. And I saw a radar loop from this morning. And that that eye was so compact and concentric, and just moved over the Bahamas. 
in uh, over uh, Abados is that is that the the, the island? island? I think so. the islands. I think yeah, yeah. Abados or whatever. And then it started going to East uh, Grand Bahama, and then I w- kept watching that radar loop. Got over Grand Bahama, and then it kind of slowed down, and the eye got a little bit less concentric. It kind of got wobbly. And then all morning, we've been watching the central minimum pressure start rising. Now, it's still a very dangerous hurricane. I mean, it, the the latest, let me let me see. At, uh, we're going to get ready for another update. It's almost 3 o'clock, our time, central time. But as the 2 o'clock update, it was a strong Category 4, uh, 150 mile-per-hour winds. Now, 157 mile-per-hour is a Cat 5. So we're talking a very powerful 4. Uh, they had gusts to... Uh, 190 miles per hour. The pressure, I think, is up to two, uh, 938 now. Wow. I think so. That's way up. It was 922. And the uh, direction and speed is, is 285 slash mm-hmm. 1. It's about 80 miles from West Palm Beach, Florida, right now. So they're, they're waiting on this thing to turn. And if you haven't been following, exactly why they're not sure what's going on. Let me do a little explanation. In the mid-Atlantic, there is a high-pressure system, and it was really, really, really strong, and winds travel clockwise in the northern hemisphere around a high-pressure system. So imagine in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, there's a high, and the winds are, are traveling clockwise. So when they get south of the high, the winds are going west. That is the wind that's steering this hurricane, okay? If that high was going to remain very, very strong and keep steering that hurricane, the eventual path would technically go through the Bahamas into Florida. And that was one of the forecast tracks until about three or four days ago. And the reason it changed is that the strength of that high pressure in the Atlantic is getting weaker, so the steering mechanism is going away. And matter of fact, that high not only is weakening, it's moving. So now there's nothing to steer Dorian. Dorian is just sitting there, moving at one mile per hour over the Bahamas, just destroying the Bahamas. But what's going to happen is some other currents are going to start coming into play. Another high is going to develop uh, to the uh, west, and another system is going to develop to the to the northeast, and that's going to kind of push this hurricane up the coast. They don't know exactly how far it's going to get. If it's going to kiss the coast, if it's going to kind of go up or whatever, they don't they they don't really know. So that's that's basically what we're waiting on as of today, Monday at three o'clock. So there. Well, the fact that it slowed down so much makes me think eh, it wants to turn now. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it was 270, which is due west. Now it's 285, so yeah. it's kind of wanting to move, but it's still still one mile per hour. Um, matter of fact, I'm going to toss it to you in a minute, and I'm going to uh, going to check. It's three o'clock. We'll do that in a minute. Um, a little, some little tidbits, tri- uh, tropical tidbits on Dorian uh, in the eight hour period ending at 12:45 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. Dorian showed a rare. Uh, rapid intensification. The pressure dropped from 934 to 9.11, which made that this hurricane stronger than Andrew and stronger than Michael. And it almost tied for the top, for the 10th strongest hurricane ever. 
it, wow. it, it, it didn't do that. Uh, it got close. And, uh, but Maria, Hurricane Maria in 2017 had a central minimum pressure of 908. <laughs> well, Dorian actually went down to 910 for a brief minute, and then it kind of started uh, yeah, wavering a little bit, and now it's way up there. It's not, not going to get... Uh, we don't think it's going to be a Cat 5 anymore. It's, once it, that steering mechanism starts kicking in, then it's going to start picking up speed and start taking off and, and stuff like that. Uh, number, number What's tied for eighth, Mitch. Everybody remembers Mitch in 1998. And Dean in 2007 had a central minimum pressure of 905. Excuse me. And, of course, the uh, strongest hurricane with the central minimum pressure ever recorded in the Atlantic was Hurricane Wilma in 2005 with a central pressure. You ready for this? 882. <laughs> That's That's wild. crazy. Yeah. She probably had like, you know, when, six. When was that? Uh, 2005, Wilma. Yeah, I remember Wilma. Ba- I barely do. Gosh, that well, was 14 see, years ago. <laughs> that's the year that we had so many hurricanes and tropical storms that they had to start over again. Oh, that's right, Wilma. Because that's a W. Right. So That's right. Now, I don't have a date. I mean, an actual date on here. I've got the year, but I don't have the date. I well, wonder the fact Wilma. that it's a W, that means we had a bunch. A bunch. Yeah. Oh, dear gosh. Wow. <laughs> Well, uh, so Dorian, uh, more tropical, uh, not tri- I'm sa- keep tropical tidbits. That's actually a website. Uh, <laughs> Dorian is now tied for having the second highest winds of any Atlantic hurricane on record. The, uh, the, what holds the record is Hurricane Allen in 1980 with 190 mile per hour winds. So Dorian just. We were right there. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, depending on. What time you sample that storm? Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, you know, we had we had some comments, and I totally agree with with the comments that they heard the Weather Channel maybe say that it was like 191. Well, that's possible. They could do that because those those hurricane hunters are in there flying around, and they're getting measurements all over the place. So, what the Hurricane uh, Center, National Hurricane Center, does is takes all that data and makes a composite. So it is, it is not out of the question that it could have went 191 these, mile an these, hour. These hurricane hunters, I've, I've been reading articles. It's very fascinating. Oh, I love it. But they said the eye of this storm, the eye wall, is, is so tight. Or not tight, but so precise, if that's the word they're using, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. It's so perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That they've never seen a storm like this before. It's wow. beautiful. If a hurricane can be beautiful. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, especially in the and eye. You, you can kind of see that on, on, on satellite. Yeah, and I've seen a couple of pictures uh, re- from reconnaissance aircraft. It's just, they call it the stadium effect. If you're in that eye and you have walls of cloud, I mean, I can't imagine how beautiful that would be. Scary, but beautiful. Just, tw- you know, 360 degrees all around you, you've got this wall of beautiful Cloud. What's really cool is you can look up the the call numbers of the of the airplane. I guess it's or ID numbers of the oh, yeah. Hurricane Hunter airplane, and you can actually search for it online, and it can show you a map, and it shows you the path it's taken around that hurricane. I online, want to find that because I want to see that. Cool, and they also do it for huge severe weather events inland. They they'll, they'll fly right over us. We don't even know it. 
Oh, for stuff like a high risk or something? Right. They'll well, start, well, yeah. even, not even a high risk. Just uh, any certain type of if, – if it's like a big event, like a huge front coming through or uh, what we call a master blaster. Yeah, whatever. yeah. But, uh, you know, it's a NOAA plane. It's not just for hurricanes. Of course, it's called the Hurricane Hunter because that's what it's known for. Yeah, but it's a reconnaissance aircraft. Right. Which they got, and, and if you ever, those things are so fascinating. Like you said, I went on on uh, YouTube. All you gotta do is go on YouTube and search for hurricane reconnaissance aircraft, and these these aircraft are loaded. They've got what two or three radars on them. They've got uh, an S, SMFR, which I forgot what that meant, but it it can take readings. It's like a radar, I think. Uh, it's got all kinds of gadgets that we oh don't my even gosh. that we don't even need to know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, matter of fact, when, once we're done with the podcast, I'm going to go back there too because I forgot. I mean, radars. It's got drops on, you know, like shoots out of the bottom, the belly of the plane for drops on because they drop. I think one guy said about twelve per round. When when they go do <clears throat> one fly through, they drop about twelve uh, drop sons, and those those are like radio sons, only they're yeah dropped. You know, they're dropped. no blue needed. No, 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 no. When you got a hurricane like that, when you're flying <laughs> under what you're lo- looking at, you don't need a balloon for sure. I wonder how high that thing goes. Oh, I don't know. How high is a hurricane anyway? I don't even know. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to look for that too. I mean, it it's up there. Well, let's talk about. Let's go back to Dorian. I do you have okay. the uh, latest update here on my. Well, it's still moving one mile per hour. Okay, what do you what do you have? Maximum winds are one forty five. Okay, so they've dropped five. Ma- minimum pressure is nine forty now. Okay, it rose two. Now that's a little slower rise. Yeah. So in directions two eighty five, still two eighty five. Uh, let's see here. Yes. Well, gotta scroll down here. Yeah, because that's gonna that's yeah. gonna tell me the difference if it's actually it, turning more. It's it's not moving by. It's not moving much from the last update. I just one. It's still at one. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> but the good news is it's slowing down a little bit. But we got to tell you, it's still a powerful, powerful. Oh, there's the, the update. Yeah, it's a powerful uh, hurricane still. Uh, 25 miles northeast of Freeport, Grand Bahama. 105 miles East of West Palm Beach, Florida. Now, where was, what did I say a while ago? Because I thought I wrote down a while ago where, what, how far it was away. No, I can't. I've got too many papers around here. Anyway, it's 105 miles east of West Palm Beach, Florida. If it's going, uh, oh, I see the wind gusts are down to 180. It was 190. So, so it's, it's. Decreasing just the waters a bit. are a little cooler up up where it's headed. Plus, it's gone over, you know, the Bahamas and just staying over them. That eyewall hasn't been over water. I mean, that's the right. Islands aren't huge, but still, yeah, that's probably why that why the eye got a little bit wobbly because I saw it as it moved oh, yeah. over Grand Bahama Island. I mean, and I heard one weathercaster say that it's it's not at all impossible that. Grand Bahama, portions of Grand Bahama Island can be up to 12 hours in this eye, which is nothing going on. You know, powerful winds, the eye moves over, the hurricane stopped, so you're there in the calm part. Well, it's not over. <laughs> you got, once that thing starts moving, you're going to get the winds on the backside again. So, so 
you know, like my wife and people, you know, they hear the Bahamas. Uh-huh. The Bahamas are actually a pretty good sized area of land. There's over 700 islands in the Bahamas. Yes. When people talk about the Bahamas, they, you know, tend to think of you know, Nassau, Freeport, exactly, you know, just the where one the cruise second. ships goes. But it's actually a larger area. Yeah. So those, like Nassau, isn't really as as affected as as some of the smaller and less populated islands are. Yes. Now is Bimini part of Bahamas? Uh, I don't know if Bimini's part of Bahamas or not, but Bimini's pretty south. It's it's about fifty miles uh, east of Miami or something. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's further south than where Grand Bahama Island is. It's right. pretty, it showed up on radar scope because my friends Marilyn and Joy were uh, they had just gone there to swim with the dolphins mm-hmm. and uh, like a few months ago, and they said, "Well, well, did it get Bimini?" So then I looked at radar scope, and there was Bimini. It popped up this little bitty island of Bimini. Mm. <laughs> so I thought that was I've never cool. even heard of that. I, I I've heard her talk about it, but yeah. like you said, there's like 700 little little islands and stuff around there. My pillow in my chair is <laughs> about ready to fall off of the chair. Uh, okay, so one more little tidbit on Dorian. Uh, Dorian is tied for the strongest landfalling Atlantic hurricane on record. Now, it's a landfalling hurricane uh, tied with the what they call the Labor Day hurricane of yeah. 1935. I guess they that's before they really got to name them. They just said, it happened on Labor Day, 1935. Uh, so we have Dorian in the Bahamas and the Labor Day hurricane in the Florida Keys, in 1935, both at 185 miles wow. an hour. Yeah. The second, uh, 180 mile per hour, Irma, <laughs> which in 2017, Irma, uh, Bar- Barbuda, St. Martin, British Virgin Islands. And then third is Camille. Actually, there's several with Camille. 175. I've heard a lot about Camille. Was that, was I that, too. Was that like? That wasn't in Galveston, was it? Mississippi. What? Mississippi. It says Camille, 1969, Mississippi. Janet, 1955 in Mexico. Dean, now I have heard of Dean in 2007. That hit Mexico. David, 1979 in the Dominican Republic. And Anita, first one, A. It's an A in 1977, and it, it hit Mexico. But there, huh. there's your there's your trivia on, on Dorian. But... Like we said, the title of this podcast is Dorian and Friends. Uh, Dorian is not the only only one out there. We the tropics have exploded since last week. We, well, we didn't have hardly anything last week, did we? Well, I mean, little bitty thinky, you know. It was <laughs> at exactly exactly this time because I was picking up my daughter at school this time, and I was actually filming a severe storm through Branson ah. for Weather Nation. Uh-huh. At 3.15. It's 3.13 right now. And as I was sending it in to Weather Nation, breaking news from Weather Nation, Tropical Storm Dorian has formed. So one week. So it's been exactly one week to, from to, now. To the minute. So I thought, well, great. My video is never going to hit Weather Nation. Because I'm, I'm, I, I was competing <laughs> with Dorian, but it did. Yeah. Oh, congrats. So. I, th- I like Weather Nation because they take... I, 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 I watch them more than the Weather Channel because yeah, they take all these... These these videos, the, the user videos from all over the country, and they they show. I think that's a great thing. It's like I a, do too. a YouTube 
a public YouTube. It's, a, it's with a, basically a social media for weather. Exactly. Yeah. E- exactly. You know, and and you know, as as much as I complain about the Weather Channel, I mean, I've always said the Weather Channel, I think, does a fantastic job with broad scale stuff, and especially Dorian. They've really, really covered Dorian well. You know, well, but I would hope so. Uh, well, everybody needs to. I mean, I mean, even you know the the, the news networks are, are are trying, but uh, I I I got to find out where Jim Cantori is because wherever Jim Cantori is, that's where the eye's going to go through. Mm. That's always happens. Jim always gets there. <laughs> I heard he has clones. He's cloned himself. Oh, is he's cloned. Yeah. Oh well. That... One time I saw Jim Cantori toss it to Jim Cantori. From the desk to the, you know, so. Wow. That's weird. That's kind of freaky. It's the money they have there at the Weather Channel. I'm not sure about so it. So they, they can clone. Be careful well, watching they, the Weather Channel. Well, they may have, they may have you know, like like tornadoes and hurricanes. He can just jump in the, the suction vortice and then just catapult. That may back. be it. That could he's, be. He's discovered a black hole that you can jump in and be well, teleported. But see, that's why they have the weather local on the 8th, because they've got like two or three minutes. There that, you go. That, yeah, see, we solved it. Okay. Wow. <laughs> anyway, let's let's get back to it. Um, in the Atlantic, all, we've got uh, three other things in the Atlantic. One we're not too worried about. Um, it is uh, several hundred miles south 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 southeast of Bermuda. Uh, it's like the five days. It like doesn't 50. look extremely with it and organized, but it looks like it has the potential to become organized to me by right. just taking a gander. The one to, to the east of Dorian. That's. To, well, yeah, it's way to the east. Because there's one in the Gulf. I've, that's I wasn't an, watching the Gulf. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it, it could. I mean, the water, like you said, the water is nice and bad. That's bath why I water. say that because that's what it feeds off of. And the weather, the water is, 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 is ripe and, and no more sand from yeah. the Saharan Desert. Yeah, no more sand. It's all hamper. just bare, bare land. I mean, there's weeds and rocks. That's all it is. There's no more sand. And uh, then there's one in the Central Gulf. And that's what I was talking about. It's like got a 50-50 on the three and five day. Um, we're watching that a little bit. And one major one, which mm, we're going to keep our eye on. It is 300 miles west of Cabo Verde or Verda, Islet, Verde Islands. It's got a 90% chance. They're thinking it's going to do something. It's one you might be, we might be talking about. Uh, is it? Now, did Dorian come from there? Two. Were we watching that? Because that, that's right at that ripe... At that ripe thing it right was, there at the Cape Verde yeah, Island. But it wasn't actually named for um, oh, it's just a, disturbance. a while later. Those things take a week sometimes to oh, yeah. get to tropical storm status where they gain a name and then another week to uh, get over us over here. <laughs> well, now I, I got to tell you, which is kind of kind of weird. I was looking at the GFS. Pretty good. You know, GFS for, in the tropics. And they the GFS sees that storm that the National Hurricane Center is talking about. But if you look at the loop, that particular storm kind of goes up, and there's one right behind it that's going to develop, and that's another one that's going to come over. So it's like, meh. But that's the GFS, and it's longer range. Well, so. while you're talking about that, let's let's, let's talk about uh, models a little bit. Yeah. We had someone ask uh, about the track of Dorian, and is there more than one model? And I go, oh, yeah, there's, there's, there's more than one model. Oh, yeah. There's 
how many models are there for this thing? Have you ever I seen would say sp- about 50. Spaghetti models? There's yeah. just lines going everywhere on the map. Yeah, there's global. Everyone's there's a different model. Nested grids. There's ensembles. And an ensemble is several little models with spins fed into one. So so the, the, the EC, the European, will have a nested... Uh, yeah, I mean, it. that's why you get these spaghetti models and you see six of them, six of the... Uh, what am I looking... Not the nested, the ensembles. Six of the ensembles are saying, will it go here? But you got 30 of the ensembles saying, no, it's not going to go there, and another 20 going. I mean, it's it's insane. So why we call them spaghetti models is, say you cook spaghetti, and they're limp in your in your <laughs> pot floating around. Well, that's what they look like on a map is they're going everywhere. There's there's tons of them, and it basically covers a lot of the map. You can't see the map because of all the models going all over the place. That's true. And, and yeah, and, and, and each... Like I said, you know, you have the European, and then you may have the uh, the GFS, and each one of those has their own set of these nested grids and their own set of these ensembles. And then you got the wharf, you got the near term, you got. The, I mean, there's tons and tons and tons. And the reason there are tons is because each one has just one little click difference on their algorithm, so of how their spin on it, and that, and we take that. And look at it. And one little click difference can mean a world of difference on where they think it's going to hit land. Right. Right. It can mean hitting at Melbourne, or it can mean skirting and then going up to North Carolina. It's kind of like this past winter when we had a suspected or uh, supposed to have a big snowstorm, but it missed us. Right. Well, in the southwest, it took a little turn one degree and, and totally went to our south. Right. Just a tiny little turn early on affects everything. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and they're they're models. They're 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 not perfect. And you know, if anybody could forecast the weather perfectly, then you are in the wrong business. All you need we have to, those models. They, uh, yeah. And and they are they are pretty good. I gotta say they are pretty good. Except lately they've been kind of crap, in my opinion. Because last week I remember last week at this time on Sunday and Monday they forecasted sunny weather the entire week for the extended. So, of course, we posted it because it's official. We're a Weather Ready Nation ambassador. We're going to disseminate that. Of course that. you posted it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not our <laughs> forecast. <you know? laughs> and then Tuesday, they was like, oh, well, maybe you know, we might get you know 20% chance of rain on Thursday. Thursday and then overnight and then it came Wednesday and it's like oh no it's it's a forty oh no it's going to be fifty percent oh it's going to rain Friday well that wasn't in the extended so it just changes and changes and changes so I'm hoping I'm really really hoping that they kind of mellow out a little bit and be more accurate I mean is that too much to to ask well. it might it might be they were doing pretty good. And then this past two months, they've been like, you know, and I, I and I posted on the site too. I don't, I have a trouble, I have trouble trusting them more than like twenty four hours out right now. Maybe forty eight. I'm getting into forty eight. It's nice and sunny outside. High pressures in control, so maybe it depends on what's going on. If you have high pressure, you know, things are going to be calm. Basically, if it's high pressure, yeah, it's right over us. So you know, but yeah, I agree that. 
you know, you look at the forecast. Every time I look at the forecast, it says something a little different. Uh-huh. Maybe a 20% chance rain. Then later on, I'll look. Oh, it's up to 30. Oh, it's up to 40 now. Okay. Oh, it's likely now. Okay, great. Well, well that's the, the what I, I, I chuckle every time because I'll post something, and then about five minutes later, you'll text me and say, where'd you get that? <laughs> like, off of the wet. And he's, well, that's not what mine says. And then I'll look on a different platform, and the forecast is different. So it's like, what do I do? And then, and <laughs> it's, let's see, the National Weather Service said, cloudy or something and then another source said uh like a 20 percent chance of rain and then i looked at the weather channel and do you remember that and they said cloudy with thunderstorms one to two inches of rain i'm like and i think they were picking up on i think some reason the the weather channel was picking up on what was going to be to our east see they were under a marginal uh risk of severe weather that's when st louis got those severe thunderstorms so somehow they were the, their their own computers were picking up on that, thinking it was going to be a little more to the to the west, and it, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, and, and you got to think about it. I mean, if you really watched, I mean, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give the models just a small break here. If you watched the way these weather systems came in, were not normal. One of them came in from the northeast, going southwest, and then another one came in from the Midwest and they kind of clashed. And I'm like, this is not normal. Normally you have like a front coming in, which is a normal thing. And then you have showers and thunderstorms. It gets cooler, blah, 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 blah. And you go into winter and call it good. Well, these were just odd. And some, and of course, then you got the outflow boundaries just flying everywhere and North, South, East, West, and then they're bumping into each other. And then you have all the, I mean, it, it was just a mess. And I had to wonder what type of, AI or artificial intelligence, these models have, can they learn? Do they, uh, do they have the ability to learn? Yes. Something that is out of the ordinary, like that storm that went a different direction. Can it learn from that and build upon that in the future? I would hope so. I would too. I mean, they have iPhones that can learn spelling. They can (laughs) learn your voice that, you know, they, you, you can program your house with a touch of a button. Yeah. I mean, what what is the thing at your house that will only understand your voice? <laughs> yeah, which is <laughs> it's like wow. This is true. They know that. Thanks. Oh, anyway. Uh, okay, so that's the Atla- all of that was the Atlantic. Okay, so now let's go to the Eastern Pacific. Uh, tropical storm Juliet. Juliet. Romeo is probably not far behind. But 465 miles south-southwest of the southern tip of Baja. Right now, well, as of when I looked a couple hours ago, 70-mile-an-hour winds, and it will be expected to become a hurricane tonight. But the good news is it's headed away from land. It's going northwest. They all do over there. Yeah, well, <laughs> except Hawaii. But well, they, they kind of tease Hawaii. And Hawaii is so small compared to a hurricane that you really have to be precise to, you know. Yeah, tell that to the Bahamas. Wow. <laughs> like I said, 700 islands in the Bahamas. That's right. That's right. And, of course, in the Central Pacific, there's there's nothing. There's nothing out there. Uh, so, so yeah. So the past two or three months we've been talking about this and having the podcast, everything's been happening out into the Pacific. Well, now everything's turning over to the Atlantic, which is kind of normal. We've said many times we're in September. Second week of September is the peak season. Uh, was it second or third week? I think it's the second week. Tenth? Is it on the tenth? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's like the the peak season, and uh, yeah, we're we're 
we're starting to see that. So we're going to have a, a lot to talk about next week. Okay, let's get away from the tropics. We've kind of beat that dead horse there. Um, hey, happy meteorological fall. Yeah, it snuck up on me this year. Really? Yeah, I, I looked at my computer clock yesterday, and it said September 1st. And I thought, why? Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, September 1st, meteorological, not astronomical. That happens on the 23rd. And actually, our weather school is all about, if you don't know the difference between meteorological and astronomical seasons, that's our weather school. But uh, uh, And we're it's just a bunch of things happening. The kids are going back to school. It's Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. Wow. just It's yeah. just a happy day, isn't it? Yeah. It's just another Monday for this guy. Well, and me too, because all, all, all year we have not had shows on Mondays, and we have a show tonight at the Hughes Brothers, uh, 8 o'clock. So there you go. And uh, Oh, and I checked the drought monitor. That, Nothing there. Yeah, that little area that was in eastern Taney County, what was abnormally dry or something? It was there for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I guess that rain that came through took care of that, and we're back to nada. Back to not, yeah. So we'll, well, we won't do that. We talked about the models. Oh, oh, I want to talk about the the Climate Prediction Center. Actually, I think they hit it. They hit it pretty good because a few weeks ago they had they issued that well below normal on temperature, yeah. and it happened. So I'm going to pay some more attention to them if they if they don't change all the time. So their September outlook is for average temperature and average precipitation. So average temperature is in the middle 80s and falling through I'll have to check I think the upper 70s by the end of September. I forget. And the, the that that's the, the 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 one month outlook and then they do a 3 month outlook which is covers September, October and November. On that prediction, they have well above temperature. Hmm. I saw that the other you know, yesterday. Uh, what, what do you think? think? I'm ready for falls, but I think. Yeah. Well, September's going to be average. So if, well, we, September, if we keep average. What is this? Uh, yeah, well, our averages are, are lowering yeah. every day. But still, I think me and everybody else is about ready for some the leaves to change if that happens. Well, I'm not. I'm ready for cooler weather because I'm really getting into disc golf. I'm loving yeah. disc golf. Got to get you out there, man. Weather gets here, I'll go with you. Yeah, and see, the problem is I've been going out in the morning because it's cooler, and I'm not an outdoors person, so I, I don't do well with heat. But the problem is, I'll go out in the morning, and especially this morning, there's dew everywhere. My shoes and socks are soaked. It's not raining, so I get home, I have to take them off, and put them out in the sun to to. Uh, Excuse me to dry. Um, so we'll see. I mean, if it wouldn't, if we get good days in the sixties, highs in the sixties, maybe seventies, low seventies, that is perfect disc golf weather. And the other thing, if it doesn't snow, you can play disc golf when it's thirty degrees outside. Why can't you play in the snow? You'll lose your disc. No, get you an orange one. Well, they're all colors. Yeah. But you get to like a fluorescent colored one. Yeah, but when we get that eight inch snow, you don't want to go out there and. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, I'm dreaming. It's a pipe dream again. I tell you, I, I, I will tell you this. All right. I've seen so many reports that this winter is going to be terrible on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. 
they're coming in like crazy about when our winter is going to be terrible because the farm farmers almanac says and New York post picked up on it and people are sharing it right and left. And it's like people, nobody knows anything right now. It's just beginning of September. Okay. <laughs> you can share all you want and, and, and they do it every year. It's not a new, but this year seems to be even more. Didn't you send me, they're doing the persimmon things again? They're doing that. And that's yeah. not the bigger ones. They're, a lot of them just do it to get likes and shares on Facebook. Yeah. But, you know, then the Farmer's Almanac comes out. And, you know, they do a lot of lore and myths and you know, right. fairy tales or whatever. <laughs> but, and they're using that as justification of, of their forecast saying it's going to be brutal. There's nothing steering me. There's nothing out there that tells me it's going to be brutal or not brutal right at this point. At the, yeah, at this juncture, we don't it's have impossible. an El Nino or anything right now. No, it's 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 impossible. So go either way. Yeah. So if you want hype, oh, I'm going to have to pull out the hype train. Ooh, the hype train. About that. I haven't pulled out the hype train in a while, but yeah, if that keeps going, which I mean it is, I'm going to have to pull out the the hype train and get set everybody straight. It's like okay, <laughs> like we're doing now. We don't know anything yet. If you want the hype, then go somewhere else. We are not going to hype. And Oh, and one thing before we get to the weather school. I haven't played this in a while, and I've really, really wanted to play it. It's the Pollen Report, and the only reason that I'm playing that is because, number one, I love that little drop. And the second thing is, ragweed is out. And there are, I know a lot of people that are really, really suffering from ragweed, and I used to be one of those sufferers. I never used to have spring allergies, and I only had fall allergies. Now it's just the other way around. Well, I'm exactly the opposite. I have never had allergies, really. But this week, I've had terrible allergies. No kidding. I don't get them in the spring, so I must be allergic to that ragweed. Yeah, it's been must out be about t- 10 days to two weeks now. That would be about right for and, me. Yeah, and that happens when that colder air, you know, you get the heat, and then the ragweed's like, okay, we're starting to go into September. Bam, they start pollinating. Oh, wow. You may, you may My have to My kids, too. Oh, your kid. Now, have your kids ever been allergic? Uh, not too much in the fall or in the spring. No, oh, okay. just dogs and cats, but not, you know, pollen ragweed, they, but, but they've been sneezing too. It's, it's amazing because my, I mean, literally I would, I, my mother can, can vouch for this. I mean, I would be miserable with ragweed, just miserable and all sorts of antihistamines and everything. And just, and now look, nothing. Of course, you know, so I can breathe. Mine comes and goes. It gets worse in the evenings to me. Yeah, that that, that could be some dew. Who knows? I don't, I don't. I don't know. Well, anyway, so I got my little fun thing out of the way on the pollen. So let's go to the weather school, which is all about the difference between meteorological and astronomical seasons. If there's something about the weather that you want to know. Stormed our weather school. We are officially in meteorological fall now. But how does that differ with astronomical fall?
meteorologists and climatologists break down the seasons into groupings of three months based on the annual temperature cycle as well as our calendar. We generally think of winter as the coldest time of the year and summer as the warmest time of the year, with spring and fall being the transition seasons, and that is what the meteorological seasons are based on. Meteorological spring includes March, April, and May. Meteorological summer includes June, July, and August. Meteorological fall includes September, October, and November. And finally, meteorological winter includes December, January, and February. By following the civil calendar and having less variation in season length and season start, it becomes much easier to calculate seasonal statistics from the monthly statistics, both are which very useful for agriculture, commerce, and a variety of other purposes. The equinoxes mark the time when the sun passes directly above the equator. In the northern hemisphere, the summer solstice falls on or around June 21st, and the winter solstice on or around December 22nd. The vernal or spring equinox on or around March 21st, and the autumnal equinox on or around September 22nd. These seasons are reversed, but begin on the same dates in the southern hemisphere. The Earth actually travels around the Sun in 365.24 days, so an extra day is needed every fourth year, creating what we know as leap year. This also causes the exact date of the solstices and the equinoxes to vary. Astronomical timing as the basis for designating the temperate seasons dates back at least to the Julian calendar used by the ancient Romans. It continues to be used on many modern Gregorian calendars worldwide, although some countries like Australia, New Zealand, and Russia prefer to use meteorological reckoning. The precise timing of the seasons is determined by the exact times of transit of the sun over the tropics of Cancer and Capricorn for the solstices and the times of the sun's transit over the equator for the equinoxes, or a transitional date close to these times. These astronomical seasons are not of equal length because of the elliptical nature of the orbit of the Earth. From the March equinox, it currently takes 92.75 days until the June solstice, then 93.65 days until the September equinox, 89.85 days until the December solstice, and finally 88.99 days until the March equinox. There are also six ecological seasons. First, there's the pre-vernal, early or pre-spring, and that's from February to March. Deciduous tree buds begin to swell. Some types of migrating birds fly from winter to summer habitats. There's vernal, which is spring, and that's from March to late April. Tree buds burst into leaves. Birds establish territories and begin mating and nesting. There's the estival, which is the high summer, and that begins in June in the most temperate climates. Trees are in full leaf, birds hatch and raise offspring. There's the serotonal or late summer, 
and that generally begins mid to late August. Deciduous leaves begin to change color in higher latitude locations, above 45 degrees north. Young birds reach maturity and join other adult birds preparing for autumn migration. The transitional harvest season begins by early September. There's the autumnal, and that generally begins from mid to late September. Tree leaves in full color then turn brown and start falling to the ground. Birds start migrating back to their wintering areas. And finally, there's hibernal, which is winter. It begins in December in mild temperate and November in the cool temperate. Deciduous trees are bare and fallen leaves begin to decay. Migrating birds are settled into their winter habitats. A little fun fact. In the winter, anywhere from January 2nd through January 5th, the Earth is actually closest to the Sun, or what we call periapsis. And on the flip side, in summer, anywhere from July 4th through July 7th, the Earth is farthest away from the Sun, or apoapsis. If you have a question about the weather you'd like us to answer, then send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com and in the subject line, put weather question. Well, that does it for this edition of Stormdar Weather School. And there you have the information about the difference between meteorological and astronomical. Hey, and during the weather school, uh, we, we did look something up. We did... We actually looked something up. We said we were going to. Uh, the the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, how big the like how high a hurricane can be, and I found this from hurricanehunters.com. I'm going to be visiting that site quite a bit. Uh, they say the tops of a big hurricane can be over fifty thousand feet high, and our planes could never get up there. They can only go to about thirty thousand. Besides, the weather we're interested in is down at the bottom of the storm, where it will affect the coastline. It hits. So well, you see video say. of that that hurricane hunter <laughs> flying through a hurricane. I don't see how they do it without. Well, they have all their instruments and stuff, but they're actually flying through and they can't see anything and they're being pounded oh, no. by rain. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, boom! It's sunny. It's and weird. they can see. Yeah, and it's not over the top. I mean, they're through it. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I love looking at YouTube. My problem is I'll spend hours and yeah. hours doing that. Okay, so I think it's time for the next segment, which is This Week in Weather History. So, Corey, well, I'll, do, I'll do a couple here. Oh, okay. Just because today is Labor Day, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Labor Day hurricane that hit Florida in 1935. It's the strongest and most intense hurricane to ever make landfall in the United States. 408 people lost their lives. I think the death poll was probably higher, but you know, back in the day, it was 1935. They didn't have all the uh, all the instruments and all the uh, agencies that they have now that goes down there and helps right. and counts things. But uh, yeah, 400. That's a lot of people to lose their lives in a hurricane. Of course, they call it the Labor Day hurricane because that's what it was. They don't. They didn't have names back then. Right. Uh, also, this week in weather history. Uh, F.N. Robinson captured one of the first photographs of a tornado near South Dakota. He uh, made a postcard of it. And unfortunately, it's also the first tornado picture to ever be photoshopped. Oh, no. Or 
enhanced. We call it enhanced back then. They didn't actually oh. have Photoshop, but it was retouched. Oh. It added a couple of little satellite tornadoes on the sides of it. Oh. So it made it look like three tornadoes when actually it was just the one tornado. And then they they probably retouched the debris uh, underneath a little bit too. I'm looking at a picture of it. But yeah, you can tell the uh, satellite tornadoes have been retouched because they don't. I bet you I've that. seen that. It's like a nice orange background or this or, is black or bright. And, it's black and white. Yeah, but, but it's been, this is what that's it. it. Yep, yeah, yep, that's it. I was showing Randy a picture of it. Has been retouched for for the uh, postcard, but uh, I would have bought it back then. That looks pretty cool. Oh, I thought it was really cool. Hmm. I mean, now we know it's not completely real. Yeah. I mean, the tornado is real, but I don't think the satellites are real. No, I don't think so. No. Wow, cool, cool weather history thing. All right, so now let's time. Bleh, I can't even talk. It's time for the next segment. It's the weather word of the week. And this week's weather, Stormdar weather, weather word of the week is Humidex. <laughs> nice, Humidex. So the, the Humidex is a number used by Canadian meteorologists to, to describe how hot the weather feels to the average person. By combining the effects of heat and humidity, the humidex differs from the heat index used in the United States in being derived from the dew point rather than the relative humidity. Though, the, though both dew points and re- relative humidities are both directly related to atmospheric moisture. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. It's not exactly like uh, the heat index, but uh, I, I did write down some numbers. Uh, so Okay, so what we feel, when we feel like the dew point, if the dew point's in the 50s, it's really comfortable. And if it's in the 60s, it's starting to get a little muggy. If it's 70s, it's really, really, really muggy. And theirs, uh, the humidex, is if it's 20 to 29 has little or no discomfort. 30 to 39 is some discomfort. 40 to 45 is great discomfort. Avoid exertion. And above 45, dangerous. Heat stroke, quite possible. Well, you have to think. <laughs> how <laughs> much humidity and, and, and how high are the dew points in Canada, you know? Well, the humidity in Canada can't be anything like it is right here. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't think. Now, I, I think Wisconsin gets a little muggy, but st- well, still yeah. Canada is way up there. Well, we're close to the Gulf, and then we get that moisture. Right. So, Oh, Mississippi? Oh, man. You know, I've been to Canada and to, uh, Minnesota in the middle of summer and had to take a jacket. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think my wife and I went down to Florida in in the middle of winter, and it was just a little chilly. South, South Florida. It was Sanibel. That's where we went. And it was a little chilly down there. Well, let's talk about... I, I found something online the other day. Actually, oh, okay. it was big news. Ooh. What do you keep your thermostat at at night to sleep? What's your average temperature? Me? You sleep with. Yeah, if it's... Well, see, I don't think my thermostat is cr- really correct, yeah, but, I, but I, I keep it on 74. Okay. That's about average, probably. Yeah. Well, uh, federal agencies... In order to be Energy Star compliant, they they recommend you keep your thermostat all day at at seventy eight degrees, no cooler than that. 
and that's way too hot for me. It's pretty warm. And while you're away from your house, keep it at 85 or higher. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Wouldn't it take more energy to bring your temperature back down once you got home? Right. Than to keep it constant while you're gone? I don't know. It's like the light bulb theory. Yeah. Have you heard that? Yeah. You know, people, you go in a room, you turn a light bulb on, and then once you leave, you turn it off, but then you go back in there and turn it back on again. It's it's cheaper and more efficient if you leave that bulb on, unless you're going to be gone for a long time. Well, Energy Star recommends while you sleep to keep the temperature at a minimum 82 degrees. They really want you to keep it higher than that. No, no. I would not be sleeping at all. No. I would be sweating. I can't sleep when I'm hot. I can't do it. Well, they say for every degree you... You raise the setting, the temperature of your central heater air, you'll save about 3% of your utility bill for every degree. Right. So, uh, I don't know why they, you know, I've always heard what you should keep it at and what you shouldn't, but this seems high to me. That seems really high. I could not sleep with it in the 80s. Cause I, I turn it down at night because yeah. they say it keeps the sickness and the, the bacteria from growing away the cooler you sleep and you sort of supposedly sleep better and that that's what i've heard to me 69 68 is like a real good sleeping and besides hot that's why hospitals are colder yeah people are always cold in the hospital well they're, they're cold for a reason because <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> germs and bacteria can't survive no if i, I couldn't do it yeah i mean this is the government agency that's telling people to do this and and and, and, and a lot of people are, are making fun of it on facebook because it's like there's no way that i'm gonna put my thermostat in the 80s mid 80s to sleep with it can't no oh, i can't it's and some people sleep with fans on i mean i sleep with two fans on oh see I, you know if i have a fan blowing on me in the morning it dries me out and i have a sore throat I've done it many times and i hate if it, it. If, if, if the temperature outside hits 64 ish that's when that happens to me if oh it's okay above that i'm fine really yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like a cricket you know isn't that <laughs> Oh, where they can't, can't that's, yeah. That's about the same temperature they, they, they make their noises with. Oh, you know, we're going to have to do a podcast, a big segment on one of the podcasts about all these things. Mm-hmm. You know, like the lightning. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll talk. We, we won't tell our, our listeners. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it'll be our little secret. <laughs> well, we are, I mean, it's uh, 3.45. They have, we haven't got the 4 o'clock uh, Central Time update on Dorian yet, but we are waiting for it to... Take off. I mean, it's it's not, you know, if you hear us talk 270, that's due west on the compass. It's been 285, so it's drift, starting to drift up. Now, we can just get those other components kicked in that's going to steer this thing, then we can figure out, you know. I mean, we, at this point, we can't say that Florida is out of the woods, but we can say there is a... A decent low chance I do, that it I, will I hit. I do have the new four o'clock oh, information. Oh, oh, do they come here. out? See, I love the. New- it may not be on your site, but it is. Oh, here, okay. Online. The movement now is stationary. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's not moving. <laughs> one forty-five and one forty-five winds and nine forty pressure. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How'd you get that? Um, I have unlimited resources. Oh, no, I see it. Here it is. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, 5 p.m. the 4th. See, I love the, see, the Stern Prediction Center is just the other way. They say it'll be out by 1130, and it's usually right. out by, you know, noon. Pressure has risen to 940. Uh, Where did you see that? At the bottom? I'm not on the same side as you are. Oh, oh, you're on the, oh, you're on the, okay, oh, there it is, 145. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 145. It's, it's not, it's not moving. Okay, so this thing, uh, stationary, it doesn't even have a direction, it says stationary. Wow, 145, and that's still a cat four, I guess? Yeah. Is that, yeah. Still cat, cat four, four starts at one thirty. Okay, so it is continuing to pound, and it's just going to keep pounding. Poor Bahamas. Wow, boy, I, I don't know. I just poor Bahama people, uh, Bahamians, Bahama mamas. I, <laughs> I was just going to say that the, the Bahama mamas. Uh, so they have storm surge warnings. Bahamians. Uh, the, yes, the current hurricane warning has been extended northward to Point uh, Vedra Beach, Point Ponta Vedra, not Point. I've heard of it. Ponta Ponta Vedra Beach. Okay, so now, okay, so the, uh, with this advisory, they had the National Hurricane Center has a changes with this advisory, so that's what they're saying. Uh, storm surge, hurricane warning in effect from Grand Bahama, duh, and the Abacus Islands, duh. Um, to Jupiter Inlet, to Ponte Vedra Beach. Yeah, this is going to be something to really watch. So uh, if you are on the east coast of Florida, don't let your guard down yet. The storm is stationary and just going to sit there and spin for a while until we can figure out where this thing is going to go. And from what I'm reading here, it's Dorian is in the middle of an eyewall replacement cycle. Okay, so it's going to go down. So the wind's... Are going to go down slightly, which they did, but there's going to be more. It's going to, the winds are going to expand out from the eye wall as that happens. So you're going to have the stronger winds, not as a broad area, but spread a little more widespread mm-hmm. as that eye wall replaces. And once it does, then the higher winds again kind of fill back in. Right. Yeah, which you know, this eye wall replacement thing is. I'm going to say it's fairly new, like in the past 10 or so years, because they've discovered that on these really powerful hurricanes, this happens, is the eyewall just, it it starts eating itself, basically. I mean, you can go to uh, Wikipedia or Google or wherever, National Hurricane Center, they talk about an eyewall replacement. It's a whole, it's a thing, and it's really fascinating. And this it tells me right here that that explains the wobbling that you were mentioning. Okay. It just, yeah, it looked like, yeah. it just did, it didn't look as concentric. Makes total sense. Because the stronger winds are spreading out, and they're not right there in the eye. Yeah, it just kind of went like that and kind of disjoint. Yeah. Wow. Mother Nature is fascinating. Man. Well, I think we've probably talked about tropics enough on this podcast you got anything other than dorian related <laughs> happy labor day yes labor day and meteorological fall and once those uh the you know we're gonna have to have a, a fall picture contest again with the leaves yeah. the leaves when the leaves we start changing one day of, of of leaf yeah it was one day <laughs> that's but right the sun wasn't out so we couldn't get that the vibrant colors yeah it was, it was really dank and 
dreary out that day. Yeah, we're yeah we're definitely going to have to have another contest. So stay tuned for that. I mean, it it won't be next week because it's still going to be you know upper eighties, nineties around Halloween probably. Yeah, it's going to be a while. So let's hope we get some nice rain in October into September, October, and then gets you know some cooler weather, and then those leaves will start changing. It'll be a brilliant fall for us here in the Ozarks. Okay, well, let's wrap this thing up then. So be sure to look for us on Facebook at Stormdar Weather. Like our page and be sure to like or comment on our posts to have them show up in your newsfeed. You can always contact us through our Facebook page or send us an email to stormdarweather at gmail.com. Also, check out our website and our merch store at stormdarweather.com. Well, that does it for this time, so join us next week for the next edition of the Stormdar Weather Podcast.